This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, everyone. We're back with another edition of NSPS Radio Hour today. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. I appreciate all of the listeners that we have and people who support the program to keep it alive. Today I have with me Rick Price from Florida. Um, probably a lot of our listeners will know Rick's name because we share a lot of information that he provides with regard to equipment theft, and we're going to talk about that this morning, although we're going to talk about some other things as well. So welcome to the show, Rick. Thanks, Kurt. I can't even recall how long it's been um, since this issue of the equipment theft has become so rampant. I've, I've got a pretty lengthy file in my emails. It, I have a special file for all the stuff that I get, and uh, but it seems like it's been happening for a really long time, and you will be able to tell the audience much better than will I how widespread it is beyond Florida, but it seems that Florida has, uh, as it does in many other situations, takes the lead in this particular item as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's been going on since, uh, at least we've been keeping track of it since 2002. And uh, last year was our worst ever year for for thefts, for cost-wise, anyways. Not as many um, thefts, but a uh, much bigger uh, dollar value, uh, mostly because the beginning of the year was... Uh, a lot of offices were broken into, as opposed to individual field crews. But and that, it, that's a that's a little different tactic than at least I've heard about before, because the ones I've seen most of the time have been on the job kind of things. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they caught us by surprise on that one, um, and we were trying to figure out uh, how or why they were going after the mother load, so to speak. And I think the best thing we could come up with was there was uh, some major construction projects going on in Brazil with the World Cup and the uh, Olympic stadiums going up there. And since uh, it's been our our, uh, interpretation that the... uh, there's a black market in South America for survey equipment, and uh, mostly because um, the dealers stopped selling down there because of not getting paid. And uh, it's been a, and we're the closest state to that, and we have a large uh, um, South American population in Florida, so there's a lot of connections there. Yeah, all of that sort of. I started to say that makes sense, but none of this makes any sense. But yeah. <laughs> at least, at least it kind of explains uh, where the where the thing is going. And I know early on, and I I had totally forgotten it's been that long ago. That's just amazing that it's been going on for that amount of time. Um, but I remember in the early days, somebody told me, and I can't I can't verify any of this, but when they were first trying to figure out where this was going. Uh, somebody made the statement, maybe offhandedly, I don't know, that equipment manufacturers knew that it was going someplace because they were getting parts orders from places they never sold equipment. So I, I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. But. Well, I think I think there is because we've had uh, clarification from a couple of dealers here that people have called from uh, 
Central and South America looking for pin numbers and getting requests to get to service equipment and then once they checked the serial numbers of equipment they found out that they, they were stolen. Of course they never heard back from these people <laughs> right. after that. Sure. Yeah, and, go ahead. If you want you want me to go into some history on this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I got involved with it probably in 2000, somewhere between 2004 and 2006, because we were we were getting hit as well. I think we've been hit about 12 times over this last over all these years. Um, we got hit uh, recently. Um, had some GPS equipment stolen, mainly because of our stupidity of one of our field crew, but uh, that's that's the way it's been uh, for all these people over the years. And what started off being back when I got involved was uh, field crews were getting hit out in the field, uh, mostly snatch and grab type things, but uh, somewhere in the, if I can recall, I think it was 2006, they started getting armed robberies in the field, and um, one of our field crews, just to show you how bad it was, one of our field crews was working in an area of Miami, and uh, we'd been on a project for a while. We knew the area was not great to start with, crime-wise, but the field crew, there was a big park in the middle of the project, and uh, and uh, our field crew decided to take a lunch in the park, but they drove all the way in the back of the park to get some shade. And, of course, I was right next to a, uh, a multifamily area, and they were all sitting in the truck having lunch, and then they got surrounded by five male black males with guns and uh, were asked to t- get out of the truck and lay on the ground while they got the equipment from them. And uh, they were, I guess the equipment was locked behind the front seat with a chain, and they couldn't get it, so they started kicking the party chief. He was on the ground. He got uh, pretty upset, and so they uh, shot a shotgun right next to him into the ground. And, of course, the other two field crew were on the other side of the truck, so they weren't even sure what was happening when they heard the gunshot. That party chief, luckily, he jumped up and just started running through the woods. And when the other members of this thieves were saw that, they all took off running. So luckily, the field crew didn't get hurt. But uh, we had a lot of equipment stolen, and we had three field crews that were, or three field crew members that had to go to therapy after that. <laughs> I can imagine. So... But that's how bad it did get. And we had several instances where they'd just come up on the side of the road, a pickup truck or a car would just stop them next to a crew on the side of the road, not necessarily ours, show a gun and take the equipment and take off. Uh, but luckily, the, at least the armed robberies stopped. So now it's mostly snatch and grab, and usually it's a situation where you know, somebody's watching the crew or followed them to a job site, just wait for an opportunity when they're not looking and then uh, grab the equipment and take off. 
uh, they're literally within seconds of, uh, of coming and grabbing the equipment and gone. They're gone. So now, I had heard. I don't know how valid all this is. That there had been some incidences, and I don't know if it's increased or decreased or, or whatever, of offices actually getting broken into. Is that has that happened? Yeah. Uh, early last year is when we had offices being broken into, and there was several offices that got uh, all of their equipment stolen. So there was, you know, $150,000 worth of equipment stolen at one time. And that was the, and that was, like I said, most recently last year. So that was the first time that ever happened. But uh, luckily we all got together, the different, you know, through our uh, society, got notified all the members, and everybody started uh, solidifying their, their, you know, their doorways, their outside doors, putting up uh, camera equipment, and uh, at some point it just stopped. Whether or not they, you know, they had enough equipment, I don't know. The demand was not there anymore, but. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty bad, and uh, everybody was on high alert. And what I do um, when I started this uh, getting involved here is I, I set the whole thing up into a GIS database so we could keep track of it and map it all the incidences and uh, you know that thing I send around uh, to everybody is what it's boiled into and now we've got uh, luckily uh, I got University of Florida this year to uh, maintain the database for us and the mapping and they've actually put it on ArcGIS online now so it's available to anybody to see where all these incidents happen and we use that database to uh, reach out to the law enforcement agencies uh, we've had the FBI involved in the past we've had um, the Florida Department of, of uh, Law Enforcement involved many times. But what happens in that case is, you know, what happens in all of these cases is it's an isolated incident in one city or next, maybe two or three incidences, and uh, law enforcement's, in, you know, they're interested, especially if there's a gun involved or a weapon involved, but they don't have the... You know they don't have the tat the uh, people to follow up on these things, or and um, it it ends up I've had to retrain different law enforcement agencies agents several times and bring them up to speed over the years, and it's uh, it's been pretty frustrating on that. But you know they they're always helpful, but they can't really do anything. Unless somebody gets hurt or weapons involved, they don't really have any ability to keep track of this stuff. So we keep track of it. And, yeah, I was you know, on on that map that you sent out recently. Of course, it was dated 2010, but obviously you guys are getting hit really hard. It looks like the maybe Southern California, Arizona area uh, have a, a a pretty dark colored map as well. And and although I'm not in may or may not be interpreting this map correctly, it looks like they've had some issues also. And, well, I mean, other parts of the country, but not as bad as where you guys are. Right. Uh, that's uh, actually a map that we didn't produce. That's produced by the Fusion Center. Oh, I see. 
which is uh, what we what I just became a business partner on. Now they're a part of Homeland Security, and uh, they've been real helpful. We just got involved with them last December at our first meeting with them down here in South Florida. Uh, they got involved because I had one of the crime analysts from the Florida uh, State Troopers uh, contact them, and then they contacted me, and uh, we ended up becoming business partners with them. I had to go through security checks on me, <laughs> but it was well worth it. I mean, they they look at trends, and they're lo- they're mostly interested in the. Uh, you know, Homeland Security threats to United States uh, infrastructure. And, of course, surveyors are very involved with that. We're we're about 10 minutes away from our first break. So okay. maybe when we come back, you can talk about the center a little bit more and let people know what it's all about. So Yeah, because I uh, think it's, uh, it's a good thing for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go to that break. We'll be right back. Want to know if your Shonstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Shonstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. And here's something new from Shonstedt. Did you know that Shonstedt has upped the ante on trade-ins? Now you can trade in any instrument, theirs or a competitor's, in any condition, working or not, and receive more in trade than ever before. Plus, they'll pay the freight both ways. Contact your local dealer for details or go to Shonstedt.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. We're back with Rick Price talking about the equipment theft. I don't know if crisis is the right word, but it's certainly uh, a crisis for those who uh, deal with it on a on a regular basis. And before we went to the break, you were talking about the Fusion Center. And did I understand that's actually part of Homeland Security? Yes. Um like I said before, they, they contacted us, uh, and what we had was uh, our first meeting was last December, and it was me and uh, three other members of, uh, of FSMS that went there to meet with them. And they brought us into, it was a, it was actually at the Palm Beach Sheriff's Office, uh, office which is pretty large up there in Palm Beach, and uh, they walked us through a maze of hallways brought us back to where this fusion center is uh, has their offices and uh, we walked through this uh, pretty much a CSI type um, room that had you know floor to ceiling uh, monitors on it and people watching 
constantly. Uh, so there was it was pretty interesting and pretty high tech. And uh, they started asking us about the equipment and what what type of equipment we use and what do we do with it. And uh, so we started letting them know, which they didn't have any idea exactly how involved we were with infrastructure uh, in the United States and across the nation. But uh, we gave them an education on that, on what surveyors do, you know, including uh, uh, underground work with uh, GPR and GPS equipment and uh, how accurately we can locate any of the infrastructure out there. And I said, well, you know, we stake it out. We locate it. Uh, we physically locate it in the field, and I said we can come back to that same spot with our equipment, you know, within centimeters, and uh, so it's very highly accurate. So they even really took notice of that and started um, getting more interest in there. So we've supplied them with the database of crime that we've had, and that last report you saw came out actually came from them. So they did a nationwide alert to all the law enforcement agencies and kind of informing them of what, you know, what surveyors do with this equipment. So I think it's it's helpful in the long run because they're, they're more of a reporting, uh, like I said, on trends, and they look for uh, situations that might affect a nation's infrastructure, and uh, they're, so they're definitely keeping track of this and where this equipment, or they're trying to determine where this equipment's going yeah, and who's going to use it. When you were talking about that, the, the thought came to my mind that, once again, surveyors go unnoticed. Um, you know, people don't, you're thinking about this situation here in particular, but, you know, that's the thing surveyors always talk about is nobody knows who we are or what we do, and obviously that goes right into this as well. <laughs> Um, you, you were talking about reporting. Is is that network something that other surveyors should know about uh, in terms of reporting this kind of thing? And is that something we should be sharing more broadly? I know we put it in news and views, but yeah, I think it, I think it is, and I think uh, they would be interested across the country on this one. Uh, there's these fusion centers. As far as I know, they're in every state now. Uh, because Homeland Security has set this up. I think, the, you know, they're really looking at uh, the security of our infrastructure across the United States. So, um, and being part of Homeland Security, I think is, uh, you know, I think there should be at least uh, someone in each state that's connected with them. And the way you do that is you can contact your uh, the fusion center, and they can put you in contact with the the local rep, and then uh, you can become a business partner like I am. So okay. then we, just thinking about it from the the NSPS perspective and the you know the national presence, that would be something we should talk with our our board about because we have a a board member from every state society, right? And and have them uh, check, <coughs> excuse me check into this and find out where their their fusion center is and, and make that contact because I think you're right. I think it is a good thing for us in the profession to be a part of, not only from the perspective of service to our fellow citizens, but just because of, of the possibilities of these activities occurring pretty much anywhere. All right. And so uh, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. 
You know, one of the other things that... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say another thing that that came to my mind as we were having the conversation and having a lot of uh, discussion myself with people in the insurance industry. That must be quite a nightmare for not only the surveyors, but the insurance companies that they deal with as well. Yeah, we had uh, had a situation where we were actually self-insured ourselves for a while because the insurance company, we had had like nine in one year. Whoa. And, uh, you know, they just start refusing to <laughs> to pay for that type of stuff. But there's been several companies, at least in Florida, that have had the same situation. And the whole thing in Florida is it's mainly southeast Florida. You know, there's tri-county area where I live, the Broward, Dade, and Palm Beach County area. has been hit more times than anybody else. Uh, and as I drive around Florida, I mean, we're... We're so used to it down here, not that it's a good thing, but, you know, we're so in tune to these thefts that I send out email alerts all the time to the Tri-County area. As soon as something happens, I try to get an email out because people contact me and say they've just been hit. I send it, a, a, you know, a theft alert out to, so that anybody has crews in the same area could be on the lookout. And But, you know... That does not occur in the rest of the state, and uh, so people send me pictures all the time of crews that are out there with, you know, a, a, with a robotic instrument all sitting up all by itself, or a GPS base station sitting there with nobody around, and that's the way it used to be down here in Southeast Florida, but we can't do that anymore. Somebody has to be next to the equipment all the time. Yeah, I can see where where people who haven't been, they, even their area haven't, hasn't necessarily been affected very much, uh, probably wouldn't even think about this. And that was the other things I was wondering about with crews and just thinking to all the many years I spent on a survey crew from the very beginning, even though after I was a business owner, um, and thinking about the, the dangers that surveyors encounter, um, <laughs> in, in your case, a lot more poisonous ones than perhaps where we live. But, uh, you know, you get out doing your work and you you just sort of tune it out almost. I mean, you're you're kind of aware, but but you're not really thinking of it. And I'm just wondering if, since this has gotten to the point where it is, I I would hope to think that that people haven't become, I don't know if complacent's the right word or not, but I'm just thinking of the human nature part of having been being exposed to something for so much that you you kind of take it for granted. Yeah, they do down here, or I've seen the cases. Because we set up a crime map report that we send out to everybody that's been hit, and hopefully they send it back to us because that's how we update our database. And in a lot of cases, I, people, whether they're, they become apathetic to the whole thing or they see that nothing is getting done, you know, they stop reporting. And I try to emphasize the, the fact that, you know, we need to keep this database up and the map up. So people that are coming in from out of town, that happens, this happens all the time. Somebody will come in from out of town to survey down here and get hit, and they have no idea that, you know, it's even happening in this area. Yeah, I can certainly understand that. And yeah. it seems as though... 
be with all the things that are going on in the country and uh, whether it's oil exploration or exploration or whatever the case is, it does seem as though in today's world there's a lot more of that portability kind of thing going on. When, you know, in the old days, you know, 40 years ago, uh, or even more more recently than that, in some of the areas I worked, you never saw anybody except the handful of people who were working right in your area. And now it seems to be much more commonplace. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've been very uh, thankful that we've have you know at least our society, Florida Surveying and Mapping Society, has been help back me up on a lot of the information that we're doing, you know, and they keep people up to date on the information. They've uh, documented, they helped us initially set up the database and uh, the mapping and send it out to all the people out there. So it's uh, they've been very helpful, and uh, I think other societies around the United States should, should uh you know, if they need some information on this or have to set it up, you know, they can either call me or the society and they'll get them in touch with me. And uh, that's that's one thing that's a real benefit of having a society that works with you and being part of it. So yeah, I and think it's, it's, it's one of those times when some of I'm sure you're aware of the fact that only about half the surveyors in the country even belong to a society of any sure. kind. And that's one of the things that you guys can certainly point to is say, well, yeah, here's what it's worth in this particular situation. Well, not only that, but we, you know, we uh, voted all to uh, become part of NSPS too, as part of our as part of our uh, yearly um, dues. So right. I think I think that was a critical thing too. So now we have the national voice. Everybody that's a member of our society is a member of NSPS. I think that's where we're lacking across the country is we need to have that national voice to keep yeah. track of all this stuff. Absolutely, and be able to to easily share information back and forth and get it into people's hands yeah. uh, right away rather than somewhere down the line. So that's that's certainly true. Well, we're we're going to cut our next, this particular uh, segment back a little bit because my stopwatch and I fail to recognize that we have started a little bit okay. So um, here in 15 seconds or so, we'll, we'll go to break. When we come back, I um, want to talk to you. If we can continue this discussion, and I know our audience is going to be interested in it, but there's a couple of other things. You'd written an article in our newsletter recently. I want to talk about that, which is kind of cool. Okay. So um, let's go to the break, and, uh, and we'll be right back. Seanstead Instrument Company has been making locating easier since 1953. First, with its yellow stick, the GA52CX, the industry standard for sensitivity. Then, the GA72CD, a shorter and more rugged version offering a magnetic polarity display and a battery and sensitivity indicator. And most recently, the GA92XT, built for portability. It retracts to fit in its holster and extends for one-handed operation and fingertip control. See them all at Seanstedt.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T.com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 
800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e.com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear all of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on itunes you can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Well, we'll just go our, our full segment this time, Rick, and see how that works out for us. Um, we were talking about the fusion centers, and, and I don't want to cut this discussion short by any way. I mean, so if there's other things we need to talk about, let's certainly do that. But I was thinking to myself, um, I'll have to try to put something together. I may even get some some advice from you on how to phrase it exactly. But that'd be another good thing to to really put a focus on in, a, in an article in the newsletter, because we've talked about the whole issue, but we've really not talked about how states should and could and and how get involved with their fusion centers. So I, I think that's a really good good topic for us to cover. Okay, we can do that. So I don't know if we'll get it this week or not, but we we certainly need to do that so with regard to this whole situation uh, i'm not sure what i've left out in the discussion that people need to hear about so if there's other things on your mind about that let's let's talk about them um well the the idea that uh we're we're so heavily involved with the the crime down here that uh what we did was, I mean, I always tell people, at least from the other counties, I said, you know, you need to be on the lookout because once they find out that there's no more equipment down here, <laughs> they're going to be looking for other places. Sure. So uh, I do uh, emphasize that with people with their crews, you know, be aware of your surroundings and stuff like that. So when you get to a job site, because we have several incidents where the crews were actually followed to their job site, and it's uh, it's been a little disconcerting, to say the least. So, uh, But it's just something to aware of. Anybody that's planning on doing any survey work down South Florida, they need to be aware of their situation down here. Other than those that, things just I don't, don't happen. Know. They don't happen by happenstance, I'm assuming. They, they're planned out, right? Yeah, I think they're all planned out. Even though the guys that are actually taking the equipment are probably just a bunch of thugs working for somebody else. Right. So, but uh, and the ones we've had arrested, pretty much bail out, and uh, they're you know repeat offenders. So it's not like they do much to them, anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, that that is very true. And, and we've had a couple incidences where you know the crews have actually fought back because we do have a uh, you know concealed carry down here. So uh, we've had a couple instances of that. 
and some worked out, but you know, it's that's not something you want to recommend your crews to be carrying weapons. You know, I, I basically tell our crews because of insurance and liability. I tell our crews, you know, if somebody comes up and has a weapon, you know, just let them have it. You know, it's not worth your life. To uh, now, if it was my equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, that would be a different case, but uh, you can't tell your crews to fight back. You know, you don't want them to get hurt. Right. So. Yeah, and you you hate to even think it, but I, I guess it is true that in those cases that not fighting back probably is a safer thing for you to do in most cases, unless 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 they were just going to harm you anyway. Right. Yeah. And in most cases, they're not going to harm you. They're just interested in getting the equipment. So, and, and I'm not telling anybody not to fight back, you know, and that's that's a personal thing. Sure. Yeah. So absolutely. But, so that's about all I have on this. I mean, anybody that's interested more, you can uh, you know, can contact me and I can certainly get them more information on individual information, but they can look at the website, click on any of the incidences and see part of the database, or they can download the database from our website at uh, fsms.org. Well, that's good information. Not exactly tied to this, but in a way it's tied for um, losses in the surveying community, I guess. Um, We printed that article that you wrote uh, last week about the the destruction of the monument and um, the lack of maintenance system that's out there these days, and then that bleeds over into the discussion about where we're headed in 2022. And so I was just interested in your perspectives about that. I, I don't know how commonplace it is to find markers like that one. I'm sure it's pretty common. Um, but but it is well, an interesting dynamic that's beginning to occur that surveyors need to be aware of. Yeah, it's, uh, the article was it kind of just hit me out of the blue. We are just... This was a first-order benchmark by NGS that's been in the ground since 1965. And we've used it on a number of occasions, and we happened to use it two days before it got destroyed (laughs) for a project we were working on uh, in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And it just kind of set me off on a direction, so I decided to write that epitaph (laughs) to that (laughs) monument. Just because it was, you know, something that uh, is happening all the time. I mean, it's we go to look for monumentation down here. I'm sure it's happening across the United States. We go to look for monumentation, you know, first order information, and you find out that it's been destroyed or nobody's found it in years, nobody's maintained it, and it's very disappointing, you know, when all the effort that was put into this stuff originally. And, of course, you know, I understand NGS's point of view. They don't have the people to maintain this stuff, and technology is changing so that, you know, benchmarks in the future will be done with GPS, and we certainly do that on occasions. But uh, it's nice to come across these monuments that you know were, you know, they took a lot of effort to put in, and you want to use them, and, if it's something you get a real comfort level out of having something physical that you can touch, yeah, as opposed to the technology. And uh, I'm a I'm a technology buff. I have to say I like the technology. I like GIS and 
GPS and, uh, and drones that are coming out. I'm really interested in that. And we've really been using laser scanning for since 2006 now. So, and we use it all the time. We use aerial and mobile and static. And but, like I said, you know, it's something about these monuments. I think we should either the individual states or the societies. You know. Since the NGS is not doing it, you know, maybe the local chapters can, you know, have a something. But I just think we need to keep better track of these monuments that are still in place and hold those people accountable that are destroying them without without notice, you know. But and I it don't is, see anybody it is doing supposed it. to be some level of uh, of crime to destroy those things, isn't it? Well, it's a misdemeanor, you know. Yeah. Most of the monuments say a $250 fine. I don't even know who you would go to and say, who's going to charge <laughs> yeah. him that Who fine? would you report that to, right? The monument yeah. police or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's very true. Well, it, and, when you you go, know, and you go to NGS's website and you look for a data sheet, you know, you get their their online maps, and you go, oh, here's a monument near me that I can tie into, and you look at their data sheet and it says, not found since... 2001 or whatever it is so it's very disappointing <laughs> so. you know i know i think i have seen some some uh activity through ngs uh and and some other folks where they encourage people to go out and try to find these marks of course they uh, they report on them i guess they don't determine um you know they don't occupy them necessarily it's almost like a um geocaching kind of thing in a sense well actually the geocaching community has been actually really good at finding them so <laughs> i i give my my uh, high five to them because a lot of the ones down here that have been found by geocaching and people and have actually uh said so on the website on the data sheet. So, and NGS has made it easier for people to report. You know, and they have an online reporting now. And so, there's a, there's a lot of good things. Uh, it's just that surveyors aren't doing it. It's other people doing it. Right. Uh, and NGS had for the last couple of years that GPS day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was great. Uh, I think uh, NSPS supported that. I believe. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we've we've actually. Uh, been involved with several. We did six monuments the first year, and what they were looking for is people to actually occupy the benchmarks because the benchmarks are only vertically and not horizontally located. So, which you know is a good thing because we can increase the number of horizontal and vertical monument uh, patient on the ones that are still existing. So, and it also you know gives a benefit to surveyors of finding these monuments. So I think that's a good thing, but uh, the last, I think it was another agency, not necessarily a government agency that did it last year, and I don't think they had the support. Uh, so um, it's something that you got to get surveyors involved, and I think the only surveyors that are interested anymore are the, the ones that have used these monuments and understand the, the, uh, the uh, importance of them at least historically and, and uh, use of them. So. And that, that falls down to that generation that, that I'm certainly in, and I'm sure you are too, uh, yeah. to some degree, that 
you know, a lot of people look at us as the dinosaurs anyway, <laughs> but but it doesn't seem to have, it doesn't hold as much as importance, it seems at least, to to the younger generation, like a lot of other things that are that you and I hold dear that, that have been part of our profession for all these years, but um, you have to have a good mix of, as you said, getting into the technology, but also kind of understanding the underpinnings of of everything you have and um it's to me it's it's exciting and scary at the same time to think about where we're headed with all of the the monumentless system if that's the right technology to use right. or the right terminology to use um it it i think it has a lot of wonderful application but being uh, boots on the ground kind of folks like we are uh sometimes it's a little hard to uh to just accept and say, okay, let's let's go that way because we're so used to touching things and seeing them. Yeah. Well, I think that's just the way it's going. I mean, we don't have a uh, apprenticeship type environment anymore. So True. I know when I came up through the ranks, I had uh, an old time railroad surveyor. He worked for the Corps of Engineers and worked on the Alcan Highway, so he was pretty up to date on it, and uh, he was. And everything that was going on that way, and he was pretty hardcore. He, he had a crew cut, white T-shirt, and uh, green Army pants and Army boots every day that I ever saw him. <laughs> so he was, he was pretty hardcore, and he was more interested in going out and showing people how it was done than, than doing, you know. He was a good businessman, too, but he liked being out in the field, and I, I learned a lot from him. Yeah. But we don't have that. We don't have that uh, mentorship anymore. Yeah, I was going to say that whole mentorship thing, and and uh, we're getting ready to go to break here. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit when we come back and then talk about some of the things maybe you guys are doing uh, at your company that sound pretty exciting. So yep. let's, go, okay. let's, go to, let's go to break, and uh, we'll come back for our last segment. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.seanstedt.com. Quick Stakes. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Getting into underground utility location? If so, you'll want to know about the Schoenstatt Instrument Company's MPC kit, a multi-purpose combo for locating both ferrous objects and underground pipes and cables. And because it consists of two instruments in one package, it qualifies for trade-in allowances on two locators. Any kind, any make, any condition. Contact your dealer for details. 
or visit www.shonstat.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Um, I, for people, certainly in, in the generation I'm in, and I'm assuming you're fairly close to that generation, um, the whole mentorship thing was such a major part of our preparation and something that that we've taken pride in in being mentors as well. And um, I've been lucky enough to have a dozen or so guys working for me over time. They've gotten licensed, and they're, you know, they're like my children. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's a source of pride, really, for, for us, I think, in the profession to have people that we, we look up to and people we depend on and then look at the, the fruits of labor and, and how the people operate at, at the end. And I, I hope that doesn't die um, as we get so, more, so much further advanced in the educational system and the equipment and all those kind of things, right. and, because that thought process regardless of any of that other stuff, really doesn't change uh, in terms of the way we do our, our, our thinking about what we do. Right. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's an important thing that uh, all of us that are, you know, thinking about retirement in the next five to ten years, that, you know, now's the time you need, really need to start giving back to the to the profession especially to the younger people in the profession. I think you really need to set some time aside, actually find, I don't know, if uh, you go into the colleges, because I, I, I try to uh, give as much time to the colleges that are having survey uh, classes as possible. You know, I'm, I'm sitting on the advisory board for the local uh University of Florida chapter down here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I just hired two interns from uh, the FAU uh, geomatics course uh, to do some GIS projects that I'm working on right now. So it's, uh, I think it's important that we be involved. I don't know how you get involved except for taking the time out yourself to do that. So I think it's important for all surveyors, especially the ones that are you know, thinking about getting out. Now's the time to look for who's going to take your place. Yeah, that's really absolutely. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that's absolutely true. And and the the other side of that that came to mind as you were talking there was um, understanding as the the older generation uh, as we are that recognizing all the things that are surveying or at least tied closely enough to surveying that they need surveying type thinking. Sometimes it seems to me people say, oh, that fancy stuff, that's not what we do, that's all different stuff. But what it really is, and and the people who are going to be utilizing it going forward need the, I think, need the benefit of thinking about it from the surveying perspective and not thinking about it from the, you know, the tech, just the technical perspective. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's critical that uh, I, I think we still need to emphasize the fact that we're surveyors and mappers and uh, show the people why it's important to use us. I mean, the last couple of projects that we've gotten with cities that we are involved with is because we were surveyors. I'm, I'm, I do a lot of GIS work. I've been doing GIS since 1985. So... Uh, 
being involved with it and showing them that I can do a much more accurate GIS project has helped us gain uh, projects. We're working on our, our the newest project we got was, you know, over a million dollars in GIS work. Uh, involved half, you know, about a quarter of that project is actually having field crews go out and do section corner locations so that we can map it. And being able to show the agencies, the different cities or county agencies, that you can actually map it really highly accurate if you use a surveyor to do your positioning, I think is is critical to this. And then on the GIS side, I think uh, there's a lot of people that uh, think we've lost that, that fight, but I think it's not a matter of losing, it's a matter of being involved. I mean, the uh, GIS community is huge. You know, you go to the Esri User Conference and you get 15,000 users going to that. And you get to a national, you know, uh, surveying conference and you get maybe 500. So you're, you know, the thing is to get involved with the things that you do and you know how to do. The, uh, The mapping side, surveyors should be involved with all of that. The database side, I mean, we do that anyways. So I don't know why it's so difficult for surveyors to think that, you know, GIS is beyond them. It's not. It's, it's, it's just learning the software side of it, and, and, and which is not hard. But uh, everybody seems to be afraid of that, and they shouldn't be. It's, it's not something to be afraid of. You just need to be involved and, and show where you can do something better than the GIS folk that don't have the mapping capabilities that you do the understanding of coordinate systems and the understanding of how GPS works and whether you're using a handheld GPS unit or a survey quality GPS unit, you know, what kind of accuracy can you get and the time it takes. I mean, nowadays with the RTK networks, it takes little or no time. You can do it as fast as you can do with a handheld. So it's not, it's not difficult. So you don't have to to sacrifice that accuracy for time. No, you don't, and uh, it's silly. I mean, uh, and when you the technology is growing for you know cell phones and uh, iPads and taking those out in the field, and with the new the new uh, GPS that's getting up, you know the the new um, satellites that are going up. I mean, pretty soon you're going to be able to do it with your cell phone, but. When you're having that cell phone and you're standing directly over the point collecting the data, or are you standing off to the side taking a picture of it, you know, you need to be able to point out to the person that you're doing the data why you know how to do it accurately to locate this information out in the field. Why you can't get it when you're under a bunch of trees or next to buildings. You know, show them that you know something more than the people who are doing it cheaply and why it's important to do it once and do it right. But I think you'll get more more uh, in, you know, more people going to the surveyors once you're able to market it that, in that direction. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because, as you said, the equipment is becoming and has been for a while pretty easy for pretty much anybody to use. Right. But the surveyor has that value-added perspective on it. That, yeah. that how to get it for some reason we haven't been 
been really good at explaining that to people. We we tend to say, no, you can't do that, rather than I can do it better. Well, I think a lot of that comes from surveyors are not necessarily marketing people. Well, true. They're they're more business people. You know, they're you know they do a lot of work behind the scenes. They're not used to standing up in front of people and telling them how to do it or what you can do and showing them why you can do that. And we need to get better at that. And we need to and you know you have to embrace the technology that's coming out because that's going to be your competitor. So you gotta you gotta understand how to use it and how to make it work to your advantage. And that's where the key is, in my opinion at least, is being able to do both. Oh, you show your experience of, and show how to use the equipment. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, remember the days of the the standards, so to speak, within our surveyor associations are just basically understood that you're a surveyor, you can't advertise your services. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That, I mean, that was that was a no-no. And, right, absolutely. And uh, as we talk about pricing or anything like that, and you have people advertising their pricing right over the web now, mm-hmm. how cheaply they can do it. And I just, I, I'll never understand that. <laughs> yeah, that that is tough to grasp. That's for sure. Well, we got uh, three minutes or so left, so I want to be sure that I thank you for being with me today and, and sharing all this information um, about the, the fusion centers. Obviously, that's of interest, and, and all the information that you've put together. And I would I would ask anybody who's listening to the show if they want to know more about it. They're perfectly happy. I'm perfectly happy for them to, to contact me, and I'll send them your way. But sure. if you don't mind people contacting you directly, maybe you can give them a phone number or an address or email or something. Well, my uh, phone number in Fort Lauderdale is 954-739-6400. That's our office number. And my email address is r, as in Rick, Price, P-R-Y-C-E, at Craven, C-R-A-V-E-N, Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N dot com. That's good information. I I hope a lot of our listeners will... uh will get, get interested in this because of all the things we talked about today, uh, getting surveyors nationwide involved with their fusion centers and involved in this whole process of uh, helping to share information I think is really important. And that could even expand the sharing information part at least, could expand beyond just um, uh, equipment theft. It could be a right. lot of different things. So that, that makes an awful lot of sense to me. So. Well, I want to thank you, Kurt, for uh, having NPS, NSPS uh, do this radio show and everything that NSPS does for us. Well, I appreciate that. I, as we were saying in the break, um, David, the, the station manager there that we've been talking to, and uh, I have to thank him. He, he came to me uh, four and a half years ago to talk about doing this, and when he first came, I thought he meant, did we want to... Uh, be a sponsor of a show rather than host a show and of course we didn't have any money but then he explained to me what he was doing and it's been great for surveying and it's certainly been great for the society for us to be able to do this kind of outreach and get uh, a pretty wide breadth of of uh, topic area and and information in people's hands or at least in their ears um, and uh, so it's it's been a joy to, to be able to do this and I hope we can continue doing it for a a really long time, and uh, so I, I hope we'll uh, 
we'll see you down the road somewhere. I, I guess I'll let you go back now and figure out who won the master or won the uh, open in Britain. So <laughs> that seems to be the big thing of the day. Everybody wants to know who's going to win that thing. So uh, I guess we'll all find out here in the, in the next little while. But again, thank you so much for being with me. It's been great to have right. you on the show today. Well, thank you. Thanks, Rick. Take care. Yep. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.